1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fan Sided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers, And you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. You can like us on Facebook. You can review us on iTunes. Find us on Spotify, on all of your Home Electronics, Google Home, Alexa, everywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. And as always, I got a couple texts during the game on Thursday night. You can hit up the Locked On Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775, the Green Bay Packers all over the Pittsburgh Steelers, 51-34. And it was 14-0 before the Steelers even knew what hit them. It was 41-14 to all of a sudden after the Steelers evened the game at 14. But the final score, irrelevant. The big takeaway from Thursday night is the young Packers defensive playmakers. Last Thursday was about... The young offensive playmakers, whether it was Deshaun Kaiser or Marquez Valdez Scantling or Jake Kumaro or Equinemius St. Brown or what Jamon Moore was or wasn't. But Thursday night was all about the defense. And that is crazy to say <laughs> on a night when the Packers scored 51. On the other hand, their defense scored 14. The margin of this game was 17. The Packers' defense was the difference. They get a pick six from Chamon Williams, not a young player. A pick six from Josh Jackson, decidedly a young player. And they get two and a half sacks from Reggie Gilbert, who was put in the starting lineup ahead of Kyler Fackrell, ahead of Vince Beagle, to be an impact player, and he absolutely delivered. One of his sacks, which was a sack fumble, was off a blitz where he came off the edge free, but you still have to make the plays that are there for you to make. And he did that. He was, based on Pro Football Focus's numbers last year, in a very limited sample size, Green Bay's most efficient pass rusher. He got some playing time at the end of the season and on a per-snap basis was Green Bay's most efficient pass rusher. Given the makeup of this defensive front and who's going to be out there, look, he had two two and a half sacks not playing with Mike Daniels, not playing opposite Nick Perry, not playing in Green Bay's full defensive scheme. And I got some tweets about this during the game. I understand the Packers gave up 34 points. They gave up 14 in the first quarter alone on some ugly tackling, some bad overall defense. I just want to remind you guys, this is not the defense we're going to see. They are playing a vanilla, dumbed-down defense. And actually, at one point, Mike Patton was so frustrated, he did start to dial up some pressure, and immediately, it started to work. And the Packers forced a number of three-and-outs in a row. The Steelers didn't convert a third down until nearly the end of the third quarter. So this was a stellar performance from the Packers' defense. Their run defense is going to be better than it was on Thursday. But here's the other thing. Oren Burks, who had a great game in coverage against the Titans and struggled against the run, was making run plays against the Steelers, knifed into the backfield and made a beautiful tackle for loss, had a couple other really good plays in the box fighting through the wash, and and doing what's called sifting through the trash. I don't know if that's, a, if that's a phrase you're familiar with. You've probably heard it on NFL telecasts. The box can get really congested. That eight-yard square near the line of scrimmage, it can get congested, bodies flying all around. And what you have to do is you have to sift through the trash. And what do you do when you sift through the trash? You, you sort of rifle through everything. You're trying to find the right thing that you're looking for that you put in the trash. Well, for a linebacker, that's the ball carrier. And Burks just just went out there and showed that he has instincts in the run game. That he can see and diagnose and go make plays, and the game is not too big for him. It's pretty clear at this point the game is not too big for him. What was really heartening to see, Tremont Williams obviously is going to do Tremont Williams things. This is a third-string quarterback. Let's not go crazy. But Jair Alexander out there covering Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, legit guys. Now, he didn't get a ton of snaps, but he also didn't allow any plays. And one of the first blitzes Mike Pettin dialed up was a Jair Alexander blitz off the slot. And that backside pressure helped cause an incompletion. Those are the kind of plays you want to see a guy make in the preseason. Then you add in the Josh Jackson pick six where he makes... He basically baits Josh Dobbs into making a throw to the sidelines he shouldn't make. Jackson breaks on the ball, makes the catch, uses his balance and body control to stay in bounds along the sideline. Not an easy play. Could have easily gone out and returns it for a touchdown. There is playmaking in this secondary that hadn't been there before. We saw it with those two guys. And we're going to see it. I'm telling you, we're going to see it in the preseason with Jair Alexander. Maybe it's going to be next week. He's going to make a splash play that makes everyone go, "Oh, that's right. That's why they got, they they traded back into the first round to get that guy." But remember, I had Josh Jackson as the better prospect. I would have been fine with Josh Jackson at 14. He was my 14th prospect. So it's not surprising to me that he's played really well in his first two preseason games. Well, let me rephrase that. It's a little surprising because he's a rookie corner, and rookie corners are generally not very good. He's playing in a system that he hasn't played before, but that that does suit his skill set, but he still has to learn it. And he was not the first-round pick. He was the second-round pick. And so nothing is going to be given to him. With Jair playing, it was Williams- House and Jair as the top three corners, even with King out, which means Jackson is no better than cornerback five right now. But let's not read into that too much. Josh Hawkins, I would be shocked if he made the team. I think Lindsey Pipkins is going to make the team. I think Herb Waters is a practice squad player. And we know where I am on Quentin Rollins. He He played safety exclusively in this game, did some punt returning too. Had a nice punt return, honestly. Probably the best play he's made in two years for the Green Bay Packers was that punt return. That's not how he's going to make this team. Josh Jackson was back there at one point and had a 41-yard return. He is dynamic with the ball in his hands, and so is J.R. Alexander. There are playmakers on this defense, those first three picks that Green Bay made. And then you add in Gilbert. Those are going to be four guys the Packers are going to rely heavily upon to make plays for this defense this year, and they need to make them. And what we've seen so far in the preseason... Gilbert has earned more playing time and then in this game came in and absolutely showed why he'd earned it and why he was there and why he was getting reps ahead of other guys. Josh Jackson had started the week before, didn't start this week with Alexander back. Maybe he should be. Maybe he should be moving up the ranks. Now, Devon House had a nice game. He's going to make this team. I got some questions on the, on the fan hotline about that. Devon House is making this team. There's no reason to cut him in favor of some of these younger, unproven players that are that that lack the draft pedigree, he's not going to be cut in favor of someone like Lindsey Pipkins. He's just not, and he shouldn't be. Now, does that mean that he should be playing over someone like Josh Jackson? We'll see. Remember, Jackson is still a rookie. I think there's a lot that still has to be determined here with this cornerback rotation. But you love to see these corners out here making. Plays. The, the Steelers didn't score 14 points in the first quarter because Green Bay was giving up long passes. They weren't. A couple bad runs, a couple missed tackles. Haha Clinton Dix still playing way too soft. Way too soft. Looks like he doesn't want to play with any sort of physicality despite the fact that they're playing him more in the box. Go hit somebody. But overall, you have to be happy with the way these young playmakers for Green Bay, this is this is the most dynamic defensive group in terms of talent Green Bay has had in a long time. And the play that Tremont Williams made reminded me of the run that he went on in 2010. I'd almost forgotten it, which is a, a shame and a crime for Tremont, because against Philly in that Super Bowl season, he makes the game-sealing interception against the Eagles. He has the field-tilting, game-changing pick six against the Falcons in a game that would have been much closer had he not made that play. And then on fourth and half to have it, in the Super Bowl against the Steelers, against their number one receiver at the time, by the way, Tremont Williams makes the game ceiling, the championship ceiling play. And that secondary had Nick Collins, Charles Woodson, Sam Shields, Tremont Williams. That was a, a secondary full Of playmakers. Now, I'm not going to compare anyone on this team to any of those guys right now. They have some guys who have Sam Shields like potential. Not going to compare anyone to Charles Woodson. He's a Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. It would be a crime to, to compare anyone to him. But they have significantly more playmakers than they've had in recent years. And in my opinion, the most they've had since that group I just mentioned, since Nick Collins got hurt in 2011, Green Bay's defense from a playmaker standpoint hadn't, hasn't recovered from that. Charles Woodson got old in a hurry. Tremont Williams seemed to get old in a hurry. He's proving right now he's still in pretty good shape, can still make plays. I think he's going to have a nice season for Green Bay. And Mike Patton said it. They didn't bring him here to be a coach. They brought him here to play because he can still play, and he proved it Thursday night.
0: David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer
1: one of the keys that we discussed on Wednesday was the backup offensive tackle situation. And what, I've, what I thought was really strange, as it was unfolding, Kyle Murphy gave up another sack from the left tackle position, and Byron Bell looked like he was playing mostly guard. He played some right tackle. But in the preseason, I guess it made sense to have Spriggs at right tackle And Murphy at left tackle because it was understood by most people that Brian Bulaga was not going to start the season. And so you put your best foot forward with their backup. And you have Spriggs playing right tackle because Brian Bulaga might be on PUP to open the season. Except now he's not. He could be, he's back practicing already and could be playing as soon as next week. Certainly seems on track to be playing week one. And the weird thing was, in the preseason opener, Bell started over Spriggs and was horrendous. Essentially proved, hey, I'm not a tackle, I'm a guard. Which is fine. Green Bay is set at guard. If this Justin McCray injury is is more than just an ankle tweak, which it doesn't seem like it is. They have Lucas Patrick. And they have Byron Bell. And those are guys that are legit backup guards, and Kyle Murphy can play guard in a pinch, and Spriggs can play guard in a pinch. They have a bunch of backup guards. But what was interesting was in the middle of the game, they flipped the tackles, and they had Spriggs on the left and Murphy on the right. And this was specifically something Mike McCarthy said he didn't want to do. He wanted to get those guys comfortable on one side because the footwork is a little different. And this was something he said in a press conference this week that he had learned from Josh Sitton, who he moved from right guard to left guard, a veteran player, that it is harder than he thought to just flip someone. And yet in the middle of the game, he did that. And it became pretty obvious Kyle Murphy just can't play left tackle. And as I've noted before, it doesn't really... Matter This distinction, left tackle, right tackle, but it does in how often a team plays left-handed versus right-handed. And teams are often going to play right-handed when it comes to where the strong side of the formation is. Where the formation has an extra man, usually a tight end. That is the strong side. And most teams are right-hand dominant. Their quarterbacks are right-handed. They play right-hand strong. And so you need the the tackle on the open side of the formation, the the side without the tight end, to be a little bit more adept in pass blocking. He's got to have lighter feet. He's got to be a little bit more athletic. That has been the MO forever. And the advent of the spread offense has has changed that to some degree. But some of those things still matter. You still want the better pass blocker on the left side for a right-handed quarterback because he can't feel the rush as easily. He certainly can't see it as easily. And so if Brian Bulaga is going to be ready for week one, as it seems like he is, then the number two left tackle should be Spriggs. The number two right tackle should be Murphy. Those are... It, just by skill set, those are the positions they should be playing. That's their. That's where their talents lie. That's where they are best suited to play. And Byron Bell, he's best suited to be a guard. If... Justin McCray can't practice this week, let's say he's got an ankle sprain, hopefully mild. If Bell is the starting right guard next Friday, that's fine. It's fine. Because you hope McCray is going to be ready for the for the opener and Bell is a suitable replacement at guard. He's not a tackle. And so there is I think some concern, some reasonable concern about the backup tackle situation, but If these backups, and and in this case, I'm talking specifically about Spriggs and Murphy. If they're playing in spots to which they are best suited, then there shouldn't be a problem. Spriggs should be a left tackle. Murphy should be a right tackle. This isn't rocket science. And I understand that they had to scramble a little bit because they didn't know if Bulaga was going to be healthy. But that was why it was so weird that Bell was going to play over Spriggs. And it got to the point where they had to move Murphy off left tackle because he wasn't good enough. And yet Murphy was playing ahead of Spriggs at right tackle. And I get that because Murphy probably is a better right tackle than Spriggs, but he's not a better left tackle. So what is going on? It's very confusing. It seems like just the, the run of play sorted this out for them. Kyle Murphy, not a left tackle. He's a right tackle. Leave him on the right side. Jason Spriggs, left tackle. Leave him on the left side. And my hope would be that the third tackle spot is dictated purely by which tackle gets injured. If David Bakhtiari goes down, Spriggs is the guy. If Brian Bulaga goes down, Murphy's the guy. That is the way the Packers should be looking at it because they have two players with distinct skill sets that have to be treated differently. And maybe Murphy's poor play on the left side and and Bulaga getting back from injury makes it easier to do what they probably should have been doing all along. This episode is brought to you by Shell.
2: The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E.
1: I got a lot of questions about Deshaun Kaiser and Brett Hundley over the course of this week and during the game. Jake Kumara made a play. Who knows what's going to happen with these receivers? I genuinely don't know. Now, he suffered a shoulder injury tumbling into the end zone on an 82-yard catch and run. By the way, with an absolute dime, an out route fully covered in the only place the receiver could make the play and the defender couldn't, he put the ball there, Kumara made the play, and did the rest and route to a touchdown. Hundley was much better last week than he was on Thursday. And I think Kaiser showed improvement from last week. And as I wrote this week for Acme Packing Company, it's just, to me, it's over. Hundley is auditioning to play somewhere else, not in Green Bay. Kaiser is going to be the backup. And the question is going to be, what do they do with Tim Boyle? Can they sneak him onto the practice squad? What do they do with Brett Hundley? Would someone give up a conditional pick for him? Maybe, maybe not. I doubt it. And speaking of quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers played we can we we can talk a little bit about that next week. Uh we we are going to do a mailbag next week uh and the week after that. I, I there's so many questions and I want to get to them but you know on a day like today we have so much to talk about. Uh Aaron Rodgers played, looked sharp, the second reaction touchdown play to Jimmy Graham. I I thought I would get more pushback. I mentioned on Twitter that I that I thought Packer fans might be a little upset that I compared the second reaction play where Rodgers throws the touchdown to Jimmy Graham to a Jordy Nelson play, but that's what it was. The play was dead. Rodgers looks back to Graham, who works back to the middle of the field. The throw is high. He has to make an adjustment to it. I mean, that's a Jordy Nelson play. And anyone that's been listening to this show for a couple months now knows that I said Graham is going to be an almost one-for-one replacement for Nelson in this offense in a lot of different ways, specifically in the red zone. It seems hard for me to to think that this team is not going to be one of the five best red zone teams in the league. And if you look at the most touchdown catches over the last two seasons, all three either played for the Packers or play for the Packers in 2018 because it's Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, and Jimmy Graham. Expect a ton of touchdowns from Graham this season. He looks fully acclimated into this offense and one, one other little note that I wanted to get in there, Ty Montgomery had the fumble and the kick return, but a couple times with Brett Hundley was the safety valve in the passing game. And on a third down when they needed it, they snuck him out. That is a that is a Mike McCarthy pet play. They ran that a bunch against Dallas. They ran it against Atlanta. He can be a weapon in the passing game. I don't want anyone to think that that he is not going to continue to be a part of this offense. He is. Now, Jamal Williams had an injury. We don't know how serious that is at this point. With Aaron Jones suspended, Green Bay can't afford Jamal Williams to be hurt because Ty Montgomery is basically the only other running back with any level of experience to play in those first two weeks. Now, a long way to go before we're there. You know, we're talking about three weeks before we have to worry about that and actually a little bit longer. But it is a little bit concerning because Ty Montgomery has had his injury issues. Now, last year – Ty played something like 98% of the snaps early in the season before he got hurt. So we know he's capable of doing it, but you don't want to subject him to that kind of beating because you want him to be available to play special teams and and to play extended snaps for you in December, January. It was nice to see Rodgers back on the field And it was great to see him playing with Graham and Devontae Adams, who had a beautiful catch and run on a slant that he turned into a big play. He's going to crush this year. And I think Packer Nation has to be really excited about the prospect of those two guys playing together. All right, 51-34. That's your Packers-Steelers final, Green Bay. A lot of promising stuff from them. We're going to get into a lot more next week. A Friday... Game means we're going to go Monday through Thursday next week, four shows. And then the following week, we're going to do another four shows. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, because there's a Thursday game that following week. And then Final Cut, September 1st, no show on Labor Day. And then we'll come back on Tuesday as we look toward week one and beyond for the Green Bay Packers in 2018. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter Bukowski. You can ask me questions there. I try and be as responsive as I can. Hit me up, tweet me, DM me, whatever it is. You can also follow the show at LockedOnPackers. A couple more of you this week followed the show and followed me, which means you found this show on your own organically. I love to see that. Let me know how you found us. I would love to know that. And, and you know how you could tell me that? You can you can hit me up on Twitter. But also, you can hit me up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. And let me know how you found this show. If you're a recent adopter of the Locked on Packers podcast, let me know how you found this happy little community. That would be great. We're going to do a couple mailbag shows as we head toward the regular season. It's something I want to continue to do during the season. But we're, also, we're always going to have expert Tuesday opponent Wednesday dig into the scouting reports on Thursday and then the injury report when necessary on Friday that's going to be our schedule during the season same thing as last year and I couldn't be more excited to bring that to you each and every day during the season there's going to be a lot of stuff coming at Acme Packing Company I wrote a feature on Denzel Ward if you're an Ohio State fan if you're low key a Cleveland Browns fan I know at least one person listens to this show falls into that crossover audience so go check that out at Ozzy I wrote about Denzel Ward Uh, I have a a piece coming out for the NFL preview at SB Nation on the Indianapolis Colts listen I do it all around here at least I try but the one thing I always have to do is follow the team that plays at 1265 Lombardi and that means staying locked on Packers